The kingdom of God is built through relationships, right? The kingdom of God is not built through what happens on a platform like I'm standing right now. Obviously, important things do occur here through worship and the preaching of the word. But when you guys connect, incredible things happen. The relationships that you form and make, the kingdom of the Lord continues to advance. And God stuff happens when we get together. You know, an example of this, I thought about a time when I was preparing for a sermon. The kids were younger, and at that time I couldn't get a whole lot done at my house. So when I did want to go to the office, I went to a coffee shop or a restaurant or something like that. And I was at uh, the local Starbucks here, or one of the local Starbucks. We have four of them. Um, And I walked in, and I, I had my laptop bag, and I had the books I wanted to read from my Bible. I was ready to get to work. And on the other side... Uh, of that little coffee shop, there was someone I didn't see frequently. I had gone to church with him years ago, years ago but we didn't talk anymore. Um, and I just kind of yelled to the other side of the room, hey, Todd, how are you doing? I'm, I'm ready for him to just kind of say kind of the same thing back. And instead of what I expected, he said this, I just found out my dad died. How many know that that is a plan changer right there? You don't necessarily say, well, okay, and, and move on. So, so I went over and talked to him for a bit. And he was still trying to kind of think about what had occurred. And, and he was thinking out loud and talked about what he had to do in the next couple of hours, what he anticipated he would have to do the next couple of days. And so I listened and listened just a few minutes about his dad and about what happened and about what was going to occur And now when I do see him and we have time to talk for a few minutes, um, often that story we remember together because God had me there at the moment. I didn't really say anything. I just mostly listened at the time. But that's so, so memorable. And it's such the way God works. God works through friendships God works through relationships. God works through interaction. But what we do is we minimize what God can do with the one. Because we we are programmed to think in macro terms how movements are occurring and and how, how the group is affected. And while those are valid things to evaluate, we underestimate what God can do through one person. Today I'm going to give you Six action words. I put up seven, but six. Now, what's confusing about this is on your notes is there's five blanks. That's what happened when the people who print the bulletin put where the sermon was. Am I cutting out here? Okay. That's where the sermon was uh, when I turned all that into them. But the Lord gave us six ones. So you're going to have to be really ready. Now, I only, pre- only, only preached three of them the first service, but we had a baby dedication and other stuff. So we're going to try to go for all six. Here's the first thing. Listen and obey. Now, this is where five turned to six. So you'll have to adapt here. Listen and obey. The reason I had to add listen is because we cannot follow instructions if we don't hear instructions, right? It's hard to obey and please a supervisor when we don't know what they want. 
And in leadership, I often think of that. Sometimes I can be frustrated with people because people are not meeting my expectations and this frustration builds up and I have to evaluate, was I clear about expectations? Because you can't really be frustrated with people who are underneath you or serving you uh, in your organization if you haven't given them clear expectations. So you got to back up and say, am I telling people what I want? In our spiritual life, God very clearly speaks to us. He speaks to us primarily through Scripture. And so a regular digestion of Scripture, regular devotions and, and, and coming to church, this is the primary way we hear from God. But the Holy Spirit also speaks within the boundaries of Scripture, and He speaks in very specific ways. And that's what we see here in this story today. Look at verse 26. This is the same scripture that Jill read earlier in our scripture reading time. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. And later on, you'll see very quickly in verse 29, it was the Holy Spirit. And so here, these phrases are synonymous. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. See, the obedience here was as a result of the instruction. And there's a very interesting aspect about this. We know from historic research that there were several roads from Jerusalem to Gaza. We, we know for a fact there were two roads, but likely there were several roads. God said very specifically, go down to this specific road from Jerusalem to Gaza, the one related to the desert pathway. And go a certain direction, go south. God was very specific. And here Philip did what God wanted. These are, this phrase is an imperative. It's saying, you are to go this very certain direction on this very certain road. There is an obvious divinely prepared encounter that's going to happen. And look what happens in verse 29. Verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. So he said, go a certain direction and take a certain road. And then when you're on this certain road, go to a very specific chariot. Which now, this is a cool aspect of the story. Because he runs alongside of the chariot. And I start thinking here like James Bond or Jason Bourne, right? And for those of you who are really into fitness, this gives you more biblical basis of why a man of God should be in shape and should be able to run fast and be strong. Because in Philip's case, he ran alongside the chariot and he, he, heard, he heard the man reading the scripture out loud, which was the custom of the day. People didn't read silently. They read out loud and he joined the chariot. And we'll talk more about what happened there. But what I want you to see here is how God speaks in a very particular way. I want to ask you this question. Do we give the Holy Spirit enough attention to hear his direction about the little things in our lives? Are we open to God redirecting our schedule? Are we open to God telling us to do something? What's remarkable about this story is not that he ran alongside of a chariot, which is pretty cool, right? 
Another kind of cool thing we won't really talk about in today's teaching is verse 40. Evidently, he disappeared and was transported to another city. Well, that's kind of cool also. That's kind of a a fun part of the story. But I think the the more remarkable spiritual truth is that we know that, that Philip was part of a revival. He was part of a strong evangelical movement in Samaria, evangelistic movement, where people were getting saved. And God said, I want you to leave the crowd. I want you to leave the place of success. I want you to leave the place of recognition and where all the activity is happening. And I want you to go to a certain road, a certain direction. I want you to join a chariot. What's remarkable about this is that Philip, because the Holy Spirit spoke, was able to do something that was unconventional, that maybe people wouldn't recommend, to leave what seemed to be the place where God was doing something and to join something that was smaller, and in this case, to even go to that one. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to tell you this just, this is not for my benefit because I don't want to lose any of you guys, right? I don't want to lose any of you guys. But what if God calls you to go help a church plant? Later, Beth's going to say, why did you bring that up? We don't want to lose any. I'm tired of giving off people. I'm with you. I actually agree in the flesh. But in the spirit, in the spirit, I know this. I've been part of two, two or three church plants. And God prepares people to leave nice buildings like this with lots of programs and things that are just easy because the gospel needs to go to a new people group and to a new church. And what if he calls you to do that for the first time? Or what if he calls you to do that again? Can, can we do what doesn't make sense, that doesn't seem logical, that doesn't seem natural to go to the one, to go to the one, to go to the one that God wants us to meet? This is what the kingdom of God is about. But are we listening to the Spirit's direction on those types of matters? We know this is that, that if we think the Holy Spirit's speaking something, but it contradicts Scripture, that's not the Holy Spirit. Are, are, are we together on that? So the Holy Spirit doesn't call us to do things that violate Scripture. But he does speak to us in really, really clear ways. And I want to give you some examples of, of something, something that happened to me over a series of weeks. Again, at Starbucks. Um, which I guess I go there quite a bit, right? And so God partnered with me on this. Uh, But there was a time when the Lord was telling me to go to this coffee shop at times I usually don't go. So it wasn't for convenience. It wasn't like me just going through the drive-thru to get coffee. I felt the Holy Spirit actually saying, park your car and go inside. All right. And sometimes it wasn't convenient for me. Sometimes my, I had a list of things to do, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to do that. So I first started going in and I just started kind of praying for people that were, were in the coffee shop. And, and usually I would know somebody in there because we live in a small town. I know Hendersonville, we don't think we're a small town. We think we're big stuff. But Hendersonville, Gallatin, we're pretty small, okay? Um, and and I, I was in there and I would usually see someone and all that went well. Well, one day... Uh, the Lord said, go in there. I'm standing in line and a man comes in and gets in line behind me who had not been in, in our church or had not attended our church in many months. How many know that's a big time bummer for that guy? <laughs> to get in line 
for coffee behind the pastor. <laughs> now, it's funny. Beth and I, uh, our call means one of two things. Either people are really, really glad to see us, like, like we'll be at Walmart, and they're like, oh, Pastor Aaron, Beth, so good to see you. Or people literally avoid us all the time. We see people, see, they, they see us look away and go to the next aisle. <laughs> so it's, it's either hot or cold, you know, it's one or the other. And we, we love it because we laugh at one and enjoy the other. So he, he came in and, and I don't always do this, but I said, hey, where, where have you been? Are you going to church somewhere else? And he kind of shrugged his shoulders and did this. So I said, listen, I don't want to be manipulative but I feel like God told me to come into this coffee shop right now. And I believe it's because he wants you to come back to church. And he did. And last Sunday he was here at this church because God used that moment. And it was just the Holy Spirit wanted me to be sensitive. So the streak went on for a little while, a little while longer. Another time God told me to drop in. And I saw a young lady who had been one of my students when I was a youth pastor. And I knew that she had had a a rough time with adulthood and had struggled with drugs and other issues like that. She was meeting with a spiritual advisor that Beth and I knew and she seemed really happy to see me and we had a nice exchange and I moved on. Later on, that spiritual advisor contacted Beth and said that for this young lady, the fact that she had seen her old pastor at the same time she was meeting with this spiritual advisor was a sign to her that God was at work. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? Another kind of small time. This was a small thing. It was uh, Lincoln was getting ready for his, it was Mother's Day last year. I know exactly when it was. He was getting ready for his production at Knox Doss at 2 p.m. on Mother's Day. Why they scheduled it at 2 p.m. at Mother's Day, I don't know. But, but it's a thing, and it's going to happen in two weeks also. So Beth is involved in, in helping that and, and so forth. And so it's like 1.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, and I have never stopped at Starbucks at that time. Because at 1.30, I'm either eating or sleeping after preaching twice, okay? That's usually what I'm doing. And I kind of felt prompt, prompted to go. And this is, this is not really a tough call from the Lord, is it? Because I do like coffee. So this isn't exactly the most sacrificial thing I've ever done for the Lord. But uh, so I'm in there and I'm getting my coffee and praying. And, but usually when I go in there, I kind of forget that the Lord told me to go and I'm about my business. And then all of a sudden someone said, are you Aaron Allison? Guys, I don't get star sightings much. I know that's, that might be hard to believe. And it was a friend of mine's wife, uh, Danny Parmalee. He preached here the week after Easter. And she, had, she just had maybe met me once or knew who I was. And um, she was really happy to meet me again because being new to the city, they weren't used to seeing people and I was able to help her find a babysitter that was an issue and I could I could just tell that that was a blessing to her something small something small here I'm just giving you these examples and, and please don't interpret it as me bragging about my life or anything like that I'm trying to give you tangible ways that we see here that Philip heard the Holy Spirit say go south on that road and now go to that chariot and we have to be open as we are people of Scripture and people of spiritual direction to allow the Holy Spirit to speak in specific ways when He wants to. Often He doesn't speak that way. And I will acknowledge that. Usually, usually He gives us choice or He doesn't speak that clearly. But when He wants to, are we listening to that? 
Are we open to that? Do we give him the space to speak in that way? So for some of you, the word today may be listen or obey. Are you listening to him? Are you listening to what he has to say? Are you obeying? Once you listen, are you actually obeying? Because sometimes when we think we hear the instructions, we think that's good enough. There's a huge gap between a good idea and action and doing something. For example, let, let's, let's take a, a thank you note, writing a thank you note. And, and I see Bob and Corey Langford back there. For years, they have given the pastors of Hendersonville a free meal at Christmas. And I could think, you know, I'm so thankful that Bob and Corey do that for us. And, well, isn't that great? I ought, I ought to send them a thank you note. But unless I actually get out the paper and write it and seal the envelope and put a stamp on it, it does them no good. But what happens is we get the emotional satisfaction of thinking, oh, I ought to do that. Isn't that a good idea? But we don't follow through. This is kind of how it is. We can hear from God. God can say, go, go and encourage Ashley or, or go and, and, and share the scripture and text the scripture to Sid Shaw. But if I don't actually obey, it's not good enough just to listen. Does that make sense? You have to listen and have a hearing ear and then you have to follow through and obey. Or maybe a better way to do that is we get to, don't we? We get to. We don't have to. We get to because of God's gracious love for us. Then we, the next word is this, engage. Verse 27, so he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian man. Now, this is not necessarily the nation state of Ethiopia. Um, this is talking about tribes that were south of Egypt or south of Cairo. A eunuch and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem. Now, we, you pretty much know that a eunuch is someone who's been emasculated, but by this time, it didn't always mean that person had been emasculated. It, also, it could also mean it was just a person of high influence. So the important thing to see here is that this was a man of influence, a man who controlled the money of a kingdom. I think it's also interesting that we do see that in Africa, we see that centuries ago, there's a thriving kingdom there. There's a, there's a thriving tribe. There's a place of influence and wealth, and that's part of the story here. And so he had come to worship in Jerusalem. This man had respected the Jewish religion, and so because of that, had participated in the Feast of Pentecost. Historians will tell us that during that time, many people who were not Jews were tired of the polytheism of the Roman culture where they worshiped many different gods. And they were tired of the lack of morals. And so they were attracted to the Jewish faith. They were attracted to the idea of a one God. They were attracted to the idea of a moral code the Ten Commandments as we summarize them, uh, of something that is objective truth. And so we see here that this was a time when engagement occurred because the conditions were right for this very influential African man who was looking not, not for what he knew religiously, but was looking for truth, truth from one God, truth from uh, the, the moral code that comes uh, through the Jewish tradition. And I think about through, 
throughout history, there are times when the environment is more hospitable to the gospel than at other times. You can pick any decade, any decade since Jesus ascended to heaven until now, and two things are occurring in any decade. Evil is occurring. You pick any decade, and you're going to find really, really bad stuff happen in the world. Simultaneously, you will discover that the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word is active in every decade since Jesus ascended to heaven somewhere in the world. And we find comfort in that. A lot of times it's not as good as we think it is when momentum is high, but it's not as bad as we think it is when the cultural type of um, appetite for the gospel is low. So in our country, I I would say the 1950s was a time where a lot of bad stuff happened, but Coming off World War II, people were more inclined to hear about the Christian faith. The 1990s, excuse me, the 1980s, again, a lot of negative things occurred in the 1980s. But culturally, there was a more of an acceptance of the Christian faith in reaction to the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. Here's my point. My point is engagement is that we have to know that there are different cycles and there's cycles when the culture we're part of and here in the United States of America, it's where we live, where people are more receptive to hearing truth. And then there's other times when people are more hostile to it. Either way, we will thrive because if people are hostile towards the Christian faith, we will stand in love and be that representative of Jesus Christ. And if things change and Christianity has more popularity, like you could argue it does here in the suburbs in the South, then we can be humble, humble enough to present the message in love. The point is this, Jesus, the Spirit said, join that chariot, join that chariot, and Philip ran up to it. And when he ran up to it, he was surprised to learn that the Holy Spirit had been conditioning the heart of this influential man. And I just believe that we can, when we begin to be sensitive to the Spirit, we will be surprised at how the Word of God is active in people we would never expect the Word of God to be active in. And we can engage with them. And we can engage with them by being with them. We can engage with them by following the Spirit, obeying the Spirit, and then engaging with our friends. And that's why the Lord is calling us to more spiritual conversations. And spiritual conversations don't occur until there are normal conversations. In the name of the Lord, Jesus, be interesting people. All right? Be people who are curious about life. Be people who, who understand culture. Be people who are, are engaged in the wonderful things of the Lord because you're going to find that when you begin to develop yourself as a person and you become an interesting person yourself, then you'll begin to have interesting conversations with people. And when you're a person of the Word and a person of the Spirit, there's a sensitivity that God's going to say, hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go on vacation to the certain city this year instead of where you usually go? Or, or why don't you take extra time with that salesman? Or, or why don't you just be uh, kind to a neighbor? Do you see how God, the Holy Spirit, begins to speak in different ways? How do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Well, we could do a whole summer series on how to hear God's voice.
I've already talked about scripture and all of those things. But here's one way you know when God speaks that we often overlook. Through experience. You learn to hear God's voice by walking with God. And by getting that experience from him. All right, let me, I got to move to a close. Here's, here's the last words. Explain. One of the big issues I think Christianity has in the future is we have a lot of pastors who have, been, who have not been discipled. And I don't want to be mean to those pastors because it's really not their fault. It's the Christian culture that they lived in where we're not educating, we're not educating our children and teenagers in the faith. We're getting them excited about the faith, but they're excited about things they know not of. Look at verse 30. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked a question, and this is a very important question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Guys, listen, do not ask your kids when they leave church today, did you have fun? That's the wrong question. That's a question we all ask our kids. I ask my kids that. And that's a question that has a level of relevancy. Ask them, what did you learn? What did you learn? And when parents were more concerned about what our kids learned than how much fun they had, then we may change the next generation and bring back revival, bring a revival to our nation. Now here's the question. Do you understand what you're reading? This is one of the reasons why we are, we, we, next week, I believe, or in the next two weeks, we're going to present certificates to Veritas graduates because we're, we are moving into a more discipleship-orientated experiences because we know this is that what you get from me in 25 minutes on Sunday is not good enough. I know I'm good, right? <laughs> Sarcasm if you're listening to this on podcast. Um, but but we, we have to, do you understand what you're reading? It so happened that the Spirit was at work here, and the Spirit had the man at a particular part of the passage that clearly pointed to Jesus. But here's the great part about it. Um, verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Verse 35, Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. Philip had been to Awana. Okay, it's a poetic license. But Philip had a grandparent or a parent who made him go to synagogue or church when he felt like sleeping in and playing video games. Okay? Listen, Philip knew how to explain the Scripture because he had been a student of the Scripture by the culture he had lived in. And so he was able to start at any point in Isaiah and say, let's start there and let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you about Jesus because he knew the word. Inspiration is not enough. Experience is not enough. With our inspiration and experience comes study and comes diligence and comes repetition and comes faithfulness and the spirit and the word will come together to form an impact. Amen? All right. That minute I had to look at my notes, right? Whenever a pastor says, say amen here. Watch him, look at the notes real fast. <laughs> Beth, you can join us. Here's, here's the last two things I'll say. We've got to move to an end. Walk with them. 
verse 36, as they were traveling down the road. Guys, the, relation, the relational church is what we need. We need relationships. We need relationships. We need to walk with people. Walk with people on the road. Be with them where they are. Long-term relationships. My two, my two youth pastors, I've been friends with them since, I, I, since I'm 11, I was 11 years old, 30 year, 31 years now. I sent a text with one of my children's pastors yesterday. I know those are, those are, those are people in authority and, and because I'm a pastor, maybe I have a different relationship, but you understand this. It's not about having a relationship with one person who has authority in the church. It's about having a relationship with, with someone in the church. Walking together. Walking together. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. I didn't have time to preach this to the first service. Is um, to demonstrate. Going public. And they did that through water baptism. Verse 36. As they were traveling down the road... They came to some water. According to the Bible, do you know what you need to go public with your faith? You need water. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus commanded us to do. And the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And so he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, this gives us biblical evidence of why we do baptism by immersion. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch did not see him any longer. The last word is demonstrate. We've got to go public with our faith. We've got to go public with our faith or we get to go public with our faith. I love it how when we see people these days go into relationship we have a term called Facebook official, right? All of a sudden you see people post on Facebook they're dating. And you're like, really? That's what happened. There comes a time when we have to make it public. Call Facebook official. Beth and I, we, we, when we were dating, and I don't know why I waited to tell this part of the story until I called her up, but here we go. She can't, can you hear me? Okay, all right. <laughs> we, we had a really unhealthy dating relationship at first. And here's the reason why. Because I was stupid. So I got my act together and started treating her the way she should have been treated. And then one day we went to a party. And I said, let's go to the party together. She said, she said really? I'm like, yeah. And as we're walking, I held her hand. And we walked in, and the, the room changed. Everybody's like, this is what's happening? All right, this is what's happening. All right, cool. This is the sign of what we do in water baptism. As we go public with Jesus. I want you to write this date down and think about it. July 22nd is our next scheduled water baptism. And we can do it before that if we need to. We'll find some water, Right? We'll find some water by July 22nd. I'll be honest with you. I'm really bothered of the reluctancy of adults to get baptized. It's not a kid's thing. It's not a kid's thing. And 
if you're a Christian and adult and you are unwilling to be baptized, I just cause you to really think about, have you really been converted? It's that important. Baptism doesn't save you, but there is no example besides a thief on the cross of a Christian who hasn't been baptized in water in the scripture that I know of. And so it's important. It's important. Let's, let's stand together. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here. Thank you, Lord. I didn't get to share those last three points with the first service, so the Lord, the Lord may have had those just for you guys. Father, would men and women be willing to be baptized again? God, I come against the pride and the arrogance that's causing people not to obey your word. I pray against that in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray against that pride that's keeping people from obeying you fully, for being casual about one of the ordinances that you establish in your word. Lord, I pray that we would see hundreds of people go public with their faith in this church. Hundreds, Lord, hundreds of people, hundreds of adults go into the baptismal waters because Jesus, you really matter to them. Jesus, you really have made a difference in them. God, we pray all of these things. Holy Spirit, thank you for these six action words you've given us. What's the word for you today? What's God said to you? Is he saying listen? Is he saying obey? Is he saying engage? What's he saying? What's he saying to you today? What's he saying to you? We're going to have time to respond. I want to invite uh, prayer partners to join me up front.